Good morning. My name is Carol, and Bible reading is Colossians chapter four, two to eighteen. Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful, and pray for us too, that God may open a door for our message, so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ, for which. I am in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. Be wise in the way you act toward outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. Hecuchus will tell you all the news about me. He is a dear brother, a faithful minister, and fellow servant in the Lord. I am sending him to you for the express purpose that you may know about our circumstances, and that he may encourage your hearts. He is coming with Onesimus, our faithful and dear brother, who is. One of you, they will tell you everything that is happening here. My fellow prisoner Aristarchus sends you his greetings, as does Mark, the cousin of Barnabas. You have received instructions about him. If he comes to you, welcome him. Jesus, who is called Justice. Also sends greetings. These are the only Jews among my co-workers for the kingdom of God, and they have proved a comfort to me. Ephrathus, who is one of you and a servant of Christ Jesus, sends greetings. He is always wrestling in prayer for you, that you may stand firm in all the will of God, mature. And fully assured, I vouch for him that he is working hard for you, and for those at Laodicea and Hierapolis. Our dear friend Luke, the doctor, and Demas send greetings. Give my greetings to the brothers and sisters at Laodicea, and to Nympha, and the church in her house. After this letter has been read to you, see that it is also read in the church of Laodiceans, and that you in turn read the letter from Laodicea. Tell Archippus, see to it that you complete the ministry you have received in the Lord. I, Paul, write this greeting in my own hand. Remember. My chains, grace be with you. This is the word of our Lord. Thanks, Carol. You actually did really well with all of those names. I know when I read it, I say it like a complete bogan when I'm saying their names. Like one simus is what I kind of do. You at least tried to give it a Greek feel.、Uh, let me pray for us before we get stuck in.、Uh, our Lord and God. Help us to have hearts and minds which are shaped by your word. 
Give me clarity to teach it clearly, uh, and may you be given all the honour and glory. Amen. Well, friends, our passage today is going to centre on what it looks like for Christians to set our minds on things above as we engage with the rest of the world in mission. Uh, And what I want for us to do today is to be able to think a bit about this practically. What does this mean for us as individuals? Uh, And also, how does it help us to think about what we should be doing as a church? How should this be shaping the way that we think about mission? Uh, And how should this be shaping some of the practical realities of how we do mission here at church? Uh, So there's going to be some bits and moments where we talk about why we do mission and why do we do it the way that we do it. Uh, So we've been working our way through the book of Colossians uh, and we saw in chapter 3 verse 1 that we are to set our minds on things above because we have been raised with Christ. That is, our, our future and our trajectory that we are taking uh, that has been caught up with Christ. Uh, Our future is secure in heaven with Christ, and so we are called to live life now with that reality in mind. Uh, And the rest of Colossians 3 and 4 fills that out, that we are to have moments where we are putting off certain behaviours and putting on others. Uh, Putting off... Uh, wrongful thinking with regards to sex and money. We saw that two weeks ago. Uh, And then uh, it means putting on right thinking. Um, So this plays out in all facets of life. We put on right thinking in our personal attitudes uh, and thoughts. Uh, We put on right thinking in the way that we operate in church, particularly that we are here for one another. We put on right thinking in the way that we operate in our homes and our households. And now here in chapter 4, verses 2 to 6, we see that it affects how we respond in mission, how we engage with those on the outside of church. And how does mission start? Well, mission doesn't start with our feet. It doesn't even start with a message. It actually starts on our knees. Look here with me in verse 2. Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. Uh, We're called to devote ourselves to prayer. Uh, Now, devotion is far more involved than merely participation. Uh, I participate in playing AFL. I turn up to training, I play the games, I chat with my teammates, I occasionally turn up to a club thing when I'm supposed to, uh, but I'm not devoted to it. Uh, If more important things come up, I miss AFL and I do that thing. Uh, As you look at me and as my dad bod stomach line indicates... Uh, Playing AFL uh, fits around other choices that I make in life rather than being something that is a critical shaper of it. Uh, Friends, we aren't called to be participants in prayer. The call here is for you and I to be devoted to prayer, to let prayer be one of those things which functions to shape our lives. Friends, if we aren't finding time to pray, we need to move other stuff out of the way so that we can. You see, devotion makes sense for us 
if we believe truly that God is in charge. It would make sense if God is truly in charge that we would be devoted to praying. Devotion makes sense if you really truly believe that God is the one who impacts on this world by his spirit and through his word. Uh, Devotion makes sense if we are relying on his power and not our power uh, in actually speaking this message. Uh, As we kind of saw when we looked back, kind of Colossians chapter 1, 28 and 29 were a really key set of verses. Uh, Hear them again. uh, He is the one we proclaim, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we may present everyone fully mature in Christ To this end, I strenuously contend with all the energy Christ so powerfully works in me. Who's the active person in all of this? Christ is. Being devoted to prayer is to be devoted to the truth that our gifts and our talents, uh, that is God working through us, not some awesomeness of our own. And as we think about this moment of getting mission right, uh, of thinking about how we participate in God's mission, uh, we need to start and we need to persist with the devotion to prayer, that God might be the one who is working in people, changing minds, changing hearts, bringing people to himself. And, and, and you would see, have seen that prayerfulness uh, plays out in two, two more things. It, play, it plays out in watchfulness uh, and thankfulness in verse 2. It is thankful uh, as we see God working that we might turn praise back to him. It is watchful as we look for opportunity uh, and we pray for opportunity uh, that stands before us that God might be using these moments to bring people to himself. Uh, What Paul then does uh, after verse 2 is he kind of then uh, talks about mission in two parts. Uh, The first moment he does in verse 3 and 4 is he talks about mission in partnership. Mission in partnership. Uh, He then also kind of expands on that a bit in sort of verses 7 through to 18. Uh, But then in verses 5 and 6 he comes back to talk about what it looks like for us to be involved in local mission ourselves. So let's start. Mission in partnership. Read with me from verses 3 and 4, where it says, And pray for us too, that God may open a door for our message, so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ, for which I am in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly, as I should. Seeing being devoted to prayer, Paul encourages them to pray for his little group of evangelists who are bringing the word of God uh, to lots of different cities throughout Turkey. Uh, Paul here is clearly writing from a point where he is imprisoned. He's chained up. He ain't going nowhere. Uh, And it would be easy for him to pray, perhaps, that God might be miraculously setting him free uh, so that he might go on and proclaim the gospel. Uh, But I think Paul is actually really helpful here. Uh, Paul knows that God is the one who's at work. Uh, Paul knows that it's God who is the one that is changing hearts and minds. And so his his, 
um, hope and his prayer is not that he would be miraculously freed to be able to go on and proclaim the gospel. No, his prayer is that is not for his own release, but actually for the release of the gospel, that the gospel might go out, uh, whether it's through Paul, whether it's through one of his, his team and party, whether it's through this church, his prayer is that the gospel might be the one that is going out to people. That is his great concern. And so in verse 4, he asks the Colossians to pray for him in his situation where he is, that he might speak the wor- uh, these words clearly to those around him, people that are chained up in prison. Uh, but Paul's partnership extends far beyond prayer. Uh, we're going to kind of skim a little bit through verses 7 to 18, uh, and we're firstly introduced to Tychicus and one Simeus. Uh, and, and Paul's mission, uh, there are two members of Paul's mission tomb, who he is actually sending to this Colossian church in order to encourage them uh, and equip them uh, in speaking this gospel within their own city. Uh, In fact, Paul, notably here, is sending about a third of his currently not chained up mission team uh, to go and serve alongside them. That's really significant. This is no small response in partnering with this Colossian church. Uh, He then goes on to offer greetings uh, from the rest of his entourage. And just as a side note, there's this really lovely moment here. Uh, In Acts chapter 10, we hear uh, of a Barney that happens between Paul and Barnabas. Uh, It's with regards to Barnabas' nephew, a guy named Mark. And, And Paul doesn't think he should come on the mission team, and Barnabas really wants him there, and it actually blows up. Uh, And they end up going their own separate ways, continuing to proclaim the gospel, uh, but not working in partnership together. Well, they're brought together back here at the end of this chapter of Colossians. Uh, That reconciliation has actually happened between the three. Uh, That they have been brought back together and that they are continuing to engage in mission together at this point. Uh, And then we see Paul offering encouragement to particular members of the the Colossian church in verses 15 to 18. Uh, He knows them. Uh, He offers encouragement to them. It's worth remembering that he has not ever met them. Uh, He's sending people to support this church and to encourage them. You see, Paul's partnership with this church, it's extensive and it's highly involved And it's quite costly for Paul. Uh, Friends, we are also involved in partnering in mission here at Campbelltown Anglican Churches. Uh, As a church, we think about partnership really on three levels. We think about it globally, uh, nationally, and in terms of local partnerships. It should be coming up on the screen behind me uh, or in front of my face if you're watching on video. Uh, Globally, we intentionally partner with the French family, uh, who we heard a bit bit from earlier in their work that they are doing in Valencia in Spain. Uh, And we also partner with Karen, who's currently speaking the gospel in a country that we won't mention while we're broadcasting. Uh, Nationally, uh, we have been partnering with Bush Church Australia, and up until mid-2020, we were supporting Ayumi in her ministry in Gilgandra. 
Uh, Ayumi has just finished up her work with BCA for, for personal reasons, uh, and so we're now considering who we might partner with in speaking the gospel into regional areas of, uh, of Australia in the future. Uh, locally, we are involved in doing mission here as a church, but we're also involved in partnering uh, with other people to speak the gospel into the wide array of communities that exist in and around Campbelltown. Uh, we partner with MacArthur Indigenous Churches uh, in speaking to those who have uh, an Indigenous heritage within our local area. Uh, we have a differently shaped partnership that goes on with Anglicare. We have a differently shaped partnership that goes on with Broughton and St Peter's schools. Uh, and then, of course, there is the absolute myriad of partnerships which individual members in our church or, or groups of people within our church uh, are part of in the grand tapestry of thinking missionally uh, about bringing the gospel to people. Uh, throughout our world and throughout Australia and throughout our local area. Uh, friends, it is a great, great joy that we can speak uh, really of so many gospel partnerships that we have. But as I think about how we partner with groups and what this partnership looks like, and as we think about what it, has looks, uh, what it looks like in this passage... There's a couple of moments here where I see some disconnection, and I think we need to address it. Uh, because while we often will pray for these ministry, uh, ministries publicly in our church services, I, I suspect that we often fail to consider them beyond that. I'm sure that many people here who are regular members of our church could name our mission partners and even could probably name where they are serving. Uh, we wouldn't be able to talk much more about what they're actually doing, let alone be praying meaningfully for the work that they are doing. Even our, in our local partnerships with those who are closest at hand, I, I think that we can often feel a similar level of disconnection. Uh, we can feel uh, the separation where we know general things to pray, uh, but we don't really know the important specifics that we should be praying for and really contending for and bringing before the Lord. I think we need to address this. And so in practical realities, I would like to suggest two things that we need to do. The first is, I would like for each of us here to commit to being devoted to praying for our core mission partners. That is, the French family, Karen, MacArthur Indigenous Church, praying for Broughton and praying for St Peter's and praying for Anglicare and praying for the new partnership that will begin at a national level when we, when we work that one out. As a church and as individual members of this church, uh, we need to hear what partnership looks like. It starts with devotedly praying for those whom we are partnering with. Uh, which brings me to the second practical reality, which is, I think this is a really hard thing to do. As individuals, to be able to gather and retain and bring together all of that information on a regular basis that we can be meaningful in our praying is actually very hard to do. 
And so what I am looking for is for some people who can perhaps champion partnership for our church. I'm looking for some people who might be willing to take the extra step of being involved in communicating with our mission partners and in broadcasting that within our church circles so that members of our church can together be contending prayerfully and meaningfully in partnership in the gospel. If this is something you would be interested in doing, I'd love you to find me after the service Drop me an email, email mick at campbelltownanglican.org, uh, or, or I'd just love to be able to chat with you a little bit more about this. Uh, but partnership is mission in mission is not the only thing that the Colossian church da, is called to do. Uh, they partner with others in mission, yes, uh, but they are also called to be involved in local mission themselves. And you see this in verse 5 and 6, where it says... Uh, Be wise in the way that you act towards outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversations be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. Uh, The command from Paul isn't, guys, the gospel's a really simple message. Just go and tell people that thing. Don't worry about discerning when and how you do it. Uh, That's your job. Speak the gospel and you're done and dusted. Uh, Paul is an evangelist and so he knows that engaging in local mission involves acting, and you see it there in verse 5, with wisdom. Uh, Wisdom is about bringing many things together. Uh, You need to have the correct knowledge and you need to be uh, discerning in how you then communicate it. Uh, You need to have firstly the correct knowledge, that is you need to know the gospel. Uh, you see in 1 Corinthians 1.24, it says, To those whom God has called, both Jew and Greek, Christ is the power of God and Christ is the wisdom of God. That is, the content of our message is all about Jesus. But while our content doesn't change, uh, there is a wisdom in thinking about how we might be speaking this message to people. Each, each person that we know who are outside of our church is an individual. Uh, they are who is addressed by God in their particular situation, uh, in their particular state of life. Uh, there is great wisdom in determining when and how we might speak this message to those around us. And I think for some of us, we might be inclined to overthink it. Uh, We don't just look for an opportunity, we look for the perfect opportunity. You know, uh, the relationship must be going really well at the time. I must have mentioned something about Christianity at least five or six times. Uh, There mustn't be anything attacking Christianity in the media this week that they might jump on. And we must have a sunset with a double rainbow painted perfectly across the sky. And that's the moment! That's the moment to speak, and I know I'm one of them. Uh, I jest, uh, and I speak to the overthinkers among us that the second sentence of verse 5 is actually really helpful. It says, be wise so that we might make the most of every opportunity. You see, our wisdom is not expressed in trying to paint the perfect moment that we might speak about Christ. 
but instead about maximising our opportunities to speak about Jesus. It is about continuing to think broadly about who we might engage with about Jesus and how we might actually help them. Uh, to think a little bit about where they are at and how we can help them to take just a little nudge forward in their thinking about God. Uh, It is about thinking about how we might speak positively uh, of Christ in a way that is gracious and delightful, uh, seasoned with salt is the picture you see there in verse 6, so that people might be intrigued, that they might be intrigued about Jesus and be keen to investigate him further. And one of the th- there are a number of things that we do here at church, a few structures that we have in place uh, which are designed to help us, uh, designed to support you uh, in moving conversations forward with your friends and family. Uh, now, some of you may have seen this before. I, I, it's a picture that I like to use in, in helping people to think about... Um, Everyone being on a spectrum and how you kind of move them sort of from left to right. Uh, So uh, everyone begins in a position of ignorance about God. Now, this is not to say that people are ignorant, uh, but simply to say that their understanding of God is not actually shaped by who God reveals himself to be. It's simply their, their thoughts of who they like to think of him as. Uh, And the goal is to help them to be intrigued by Jesus. Uh, that they might gain an interest in this Jesus bloke, that they might be keen to find out more about him. After a while, the goal is, as they are interested in Jesus, to help them to move to actually investigate who Jesus is, uh, to work out and determine whether the things that they are hearing about Jesus, whether they stack up or whether they don't. And ultimately, our hope is that they might be people who make a decision about whether they are in or out. That is, everyone ultimately needs to make a call and a decision based on the things that they learn, that Jesus dies on the cross to save us and that Jesus calls for us to, in turn, respond to him as Lord, um, that he's Saviour and he's Lord. We've got to respond to both of those. Uh, And ultimately, everyone has to make a decision uh, about whether they will follow Jesus. You see, as a church, uh, there are two things that we do. Uh, And we're going to be persisting in these term in, term out, now that some restrictions have lifted, uh, to help facilitate conversations for you and your friend, uh, depending on where they are at. Uh, The first thing that we do is that we run Jesus Is Nights. Now, these are great nights to invite a friend along uh, who is further over at the starting point. Uh, The objective of the night is not that they're going to become a Christian, uh, but that they may walk away from it intrigued by Jesus and perhaps be ready to investigate things further. It's a really simple format. There are four people uh, from our church who will get up and will share a story from the Bible which teaches us something about Jesus. Uh, And then there's a conversation that happens around the table uh, where we simply uh, talk about whether what we've heard in this story, whether that it fits with our expectations of who we thought Jesus was or or what Jesus might do in those circumstances. Uh, The next one of these is going to be running in April. It's going to be happening week two uh, of school returning. 
Uh, for those who are wanting to investigate it for themselves, we run Exploring Christ Courses, which is a four-week course where you read through the book of Luke uh, with them in, while looking at four core truths that are central to following Jesus. Uh, this is really for people who are ready to investigate, uh, who want to work out whether this is true or not, or people who want to just solidify what they might know about Jesus. Uh, this course has really been designed for you to be able to run it and read it, uh, to read through the book of Luke and run this course with your friend yourself. Uh, and I know that there are a number of people here who are doing that right now. And I'm, I'm praying for you guys as you do so. Um, I'm going to be running training for this regularly over the term coming. Uh, we're going to look to run three different training sessions where you could be trained up and equipped to use this and use this effectively. Uh, should the opportunity come in conversations with your friends. Uh, now, I want to say to this, uh, this is not the only opportunities that we have. We have Easter coming up next week. Who's excited for Easter? I am most definitely excited for Easter. Uh, across Easter, we have an excellent opportunity for being able to invite friends and family to come with us, to join with us here at church and to hear the good news of Jesus. Good Friday, Easter Sunday, and actually also for us, we're going to be doing something on the following Sunday as well. They are all going to be excellent moments for you to invite someone to come and to hear about Jesus. Uh, it will be presenting the core truths of Christianity uh, and will be an excellent moment for someone to be able to come along and hear and see what it's all about. Now, the hope in all of this, friends, of course, is not that we're just going to suddenly busy ourselves with events. I know that I feel overloaded with the number of things that are on my plate and in my calendar at any given time, uh, and I know I'm fairly certain that you guys are too. The point of all of this is not events. Jesus is nights, exploring Christ, Easter services. These are moments, moments where we might be able to make the most of the opportunity. It's hope that we might be living out the reality of verse 5, that we might wisely think about how we may make the most of these opportunities, uh, that we as individuals and that we as a church uh, might be equipped, that we might be supported, that we might be encouraged at every moment to be speaking positively of Christ to all of those people that we come into contact with, uh, that we might use events appropriately uh, where we can actually just have a moment where we've got bolstered confidence that this moment will be okay and that my friend will actually be okay here uh, because, and, and for us to then continue to be praying devotedly that Jesus may be indeed saving many of these people whom we love. Friends, what a privilege it is to be involved in Jesus' mission. His mission to save people. Let us pray devotedly that God may be saving many people in our world, in our country, and right here in Campbelltown. How about I pray for us right now? Our Lord and God, we thank you so much that you are a God who saves. Lord, we pray that you might give us hearts 
that are devoted to praying that you would be saving those that we know. Lord, help us to be people who recognise that you're the saving one and that you're the one who does it all. And so to turn to you with great prayer uh, that you would be saving the people we know. Help us, Lord, to be prayerful partners of those uh, in whom we are, we are doing mission with. Lord, help us to be people uh, who are ready and who are utilising every opportunity that we can to speak your good news to those around us. And may you, Lord, be the one who receives all the glory and the honour and the praise uh, as you bring people to yourself. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.